Greetings, Scatter Brains. The brains, brains, well, brains in my left buttock, asked me to introduce this extra episode as they had taken Christmas off. Because they are, as we would call them in the UK, pussies. So, although I don't agree with this word, it is on, in fact, the script they gave me. Enjoy. Falling. Oh my god, I'm falling. How can this be? He thinks to himself. 
He sits straight up in his sleeping bag, his head nearly poking out of the top of his tent. He, he unzips his bag, frantically wondering where he is and realizes he enters in the middle of the forest. The fog is all around him. He remembers he's camping. He remembers he's camping by himself. But then he hears a growl coming from within his tent. It's in his own tent. And to his terror, he looks down to see another sleeping bag moving up and down, undulating with a growl and evil, disjointed growl coming from the bag laying right next to him. He panics and jumps up and starts running full speed through the trees, and then realizes that this is exactly how it started. He is going in circles, and this has been happening for eternity. If this is hell, then there is no escape. He decides he is in hell and stops to meet his fate. And out of the fog, and out of the fog, comes a deathly black thing. It's above him, behind him, in front of him, and completely consumes him. The agony is too intense, but at least he will be done. And then he sits up again, not dead, but awake again in his sleeping bag, sitting up in his tent with whatever it is in that bag next to him, growling and moaning yet again. He can't escape it. He can't even die to escape it. He's in an eternal feedback loop of terror that he cannot run from. So he gives up yet again and is consumed again and sits up in his tent yet again with a thing in a sleeping bag right next to him yet again. He should have never went camping alone. He realizes this has been going on for eternity and his panic increases tenfold yet again. He realizes this has to be hell. Then he sits up in bed, drenched in sweat. The windows are open and it's a beautiful day outside. It felt so real. It felt like it was really happening, but it was all just a horrible nightmare. He looks around his room and he realizes he's home. It's a sunny, beautiful day outside and he gets out of bed, shaking his head, drenched with sweat. What kind of a crazy dream was that? He showers and gets dressed and opens the front door, only to be confronted by a wall of fog, fog in a pitch black night. And the terror rises up in him again when he realizes it wasn't the end. This is where it had all started before, yet again, forever with no end. Then he hears it behind him again and starts running again with no end. He should have never went camping. He should have never went camping. Alone in that forest. Come to Big Dumb Dudes Man Den for all of your camping and fishing needs. This weekend, 20% off all of your fishing and camping gear. Metal trivia. Answers at the end. 1. What famous guitar player did Lemmy Kilmister briefly roadie for in the late 1960s? 2. Richie Blackmore played guitar for Deep Purple, then blank, then Deep Purple again. 3. What was the name of the first band Ronnie James Dio sang in? 4. Who was the original vocalist for Iron Maiden? 5. What was the name of Anthrax's second album? 6. Where did Geezer Butler get the name Black Sabbath? 7. What is Warbringer's hometown? 8. From which band did Metallica hire Kurt Hammett? 9. What is the name of the vocalist who briefly replaced Rob Halford for Judas Priest? 10. What is the name of the movie based on that? 11. What was Black Sabbath's original band name? 12. When Fast Eddie Clark left Motorhead in 1982, what band did he form? 13. Who does a singer of that band sing for now? 14. Who replaced Dave Lombardo and Slayer? 15. Which band did that drummer play drums for prior to joining Slayer? 16. 
Who is a singer slash guitarist for Revocation? 17. Why was Chance kicked out of the band Skeleton Witch? 18. How did Riley Gale, singer for Power Trip, die? 19. In what year did Overkill form? 20. Which four bands constitute the, quote, big four of Teutonic metal, unquote? 21. Name the only two true thrash metal bands from the UK in the late 1980s. 22. From which country does the current band named Band A Above originate from? 23. Who released the first true thrash metal album in history? 24. What was the name of that album? 25. Who was the only active thrash metal band in San Diego from the mid-1980s to the mid-1990s? 26. Which Minnesota thrash metal band was mentioned in the Nicolas Cage movie Wild at Heart? 27. What Brendan Fraser movie did Lemmy Kilmister have a cameo in? 28. In what year did Bon Scott die? 29. Who is the only heavy metal band to ever reach number one on the Billboard music charts? 30. Who won the first ever heavy metal performance Grammy in 1989? 31. Sully, the singer for Godsmack, originally played drums for which Boston-area thrash metal band? 32. In the late 1980s, there were two main Swedish thrash metal bands, Agony and Who? 33. From which country does Annihilator hail from? 34. Name three of the many bands John Tempesta has played drums for. 35. Who was widely recognized as the first black metal band? 36. Who was widely recognized as the first death metal band? 37. Of the so-called Big Four bands, which band released their debut album last? 38. Which Bay Area band released the groundbreaking album Eternal Nightmare in 1988? 39. Before joining Nuclear Assault, which band did Dan Lilker play bass for? 40. What is the name of Napalm Death's first album? 41. Who replaced Peter Chris in Kiss? 42. What was the name of the concept album that Queensryche released in 1988? 43. What is the name of the band with the longest name in history? 44. Andy Steep used to play lead guitars for which English thrash metal band in the 1980s? 45. Eccentrics released a polarizing movie soundtrack cover song in the late 1980s. Which movie? 46. What kind of human being does not like thrash metal? When you're feeling down and blue, angry, depressed, or sad, remember there's one thing to do to make you not so mad. It's a way of letting go and forgetting someone else's shit. It's a way to live and fuck them all, a way to never quit. Just remember, nothing really matters. Nothing really matters. Nothing really matters. Nothing really matters at all. Nothing really matters. Nothing really matters. Nothing really matters. Nothing really matters at all. Someone's talking down to you, making your day shit. There's one phrase that you can think to help you deal with it. Just remember, nothing really matters. Nothing really matters. Nothing really matters. Nothing really matters at all. Nothing really matters. Nothing really matters. Nothing really matters. Nothing really matters at all.
dangerous wrongs, positives, and jerking your unzip, zip, beat up long and prove them wrong, and smile in the face of the shit, the shit's gonna hurt, piss you off, they rub you wrong, to the point that you want to quit, big time, but ignore this shit, don't worry about it, there's only one thing you should think, nothing really matters, nothing really matters, nothing really matters, nothing really matters at all, nothing really matters, nothing really matters, nothing really matters, nothing really matters at all. Nothing really matters. Nothing really matters. Nothing really matters. Nothing really matters at all. Nothing really matters. Nothing really matters. Nothing really matters. Nothing really matters at all. Nothing really matters. Nothing really matters. Nothing really matters. Nothing really matters at all. Nothing really matters. Nothing really matters. Nothing really matters. Nothing really matters at all. Nothing really matters. Nothing really matters. Nothing really matters. Nothing really matters at all. Nothing really matters. Nothing really matters. Nothing really matters. Nothing really matters at all. Wait, what? It doesn't? Oh shit. Remember, the cosmos sees all that you do and who you are inside. Merry Christmas! Who's covering both our year-end review, episode number nine, three, 2021 year review, got us a little help, from some more protein, gonna throw in his two cents, he knows what to do, so listen, to the end, my friends, for a 2021 year review. Yeah, that's yeah, 
call it back. You gotta wait. You gotta wait until after Thanksgiving. Check the mirror before you open your mouth. Blowhards go down, show-offs flame out, liars get found out, evil is always around, goodness always wins out. That's the hope we all should have. That's the heart we all should have. That's the mindset we all should have. Positive mind and thinking work. If for nothing else, one's own mental health. Positive words and feedback helps. Helps another's mind and heart and yourself. Put someone down, you expose yourself. An insecure, weak emotioned child. No respect by all else. Respect not instant, earned by deeds and words and actions. Disrespect, hubris, emotional IQ zero. When you talk to someone else, always remember you're talking to yourself. Respect me, I respect you. Disrespect me, fuck you. People need and want me in their lives more than I need to tolerate lies or disrespect and condescension or talking down to me as though they are of a higher mind. If you set me up to fail, then talk behind me unjustly for selfish reasons. You are nothing to me or anyone I want in my work or life. Pull your head out of your ass. It's time to grow up and show some class. Life's too short. Try making friends instead. Instead of acting foolish and letting hubris and stress get to your head, relatively minor things consume you instead. Talk to others as though you're better shows you're too consumed with only yourself and falsely self-important. But only in your own mind, others do exist. Are you okay when someone talks to you like shit? Do you want to be respected, liked, and trusted? Or avoided and left lonely in life? Or be a person who people consider not worth their time? Because you spent too much time hurting and belittling and insulting so unkind. Did your parents fail you? Or did you just fail? For no good or reasonable reason, you forgot to move forward, forgive, and forget that expectations always leads to and ends up in disappointment and pushed everyone away from yourself. So you end up left and alone and depressed, respect from no one because there's no one left. You use the time to judge and insult and anger all around you. And all and everyone with pride and security and self-respect has left, had enough of your bullshit, and shook their heads in disgusted pity at you, had enough, turned around, washed their hands, walked away from you. And now you're all alone by yourself, with only yourself left to disrespect yourself in your own head. No respect anyway because you never showed respect. You should have just been kind, forgiving, reasonable, respectful, but no. But too late. Then alone. And then dead. 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 What do you do when everything seems against you? Do you feel bad for yourself or do you move on forward? Do you move on forward? Do you just keep plodding along? No matter how old you are, do you keep going on and on? Do you just try to be strong? What do you do? What really do you do? There are times in life where everything seems right. There are times in life when you know to fight. There are things that seem solid and then let you down. There are times when you need to just move on. There are people who you trust who will spin your head around surprise you and hurt you because they only think of themselves. There are things that you love that will leave you one day. Nothing is forever, that's what they say. There are times when you're at the lowest point in your life, times when you choose to give up or stand and fight, time to wash your hands and just walk away, a time to decide whether you even wanted to stay, a times to realize what is best for yourself, a time to realize what you really consider worth, a time when you feel content and secure, Time when you feel lost, hurt, and unsure. Time to be the strongest when you feel the most weak. Time to be silent. Time to speak. No matter what happens to you in your life, if your heart is pure, you'll know you are right. Go forward with strength. 
and your happiness is in sight. Always fight for that which is truth. Always walk away from those who hurt you. And when your life seems like it's at its most bleak, be strong, move long, and look back with clarity. Life seems like it's at its most bleak. Be strong, move long, and look back with clarity. Drifting and swindling without giving, producing is selfish and borderline evil, and will always come back to you tenfold, or at least it should. People who take and scam and steal and lie to the free of work and toil and giving of themselves, sweat and energy and blood and tears and struggle and frustration, were selfish and useless and borderline evil. Taking and never giving and hurting anyone living to serve your own needs and means is evil. It's fucking evil. But you are part of the definitely And don't give a fuck about anyone but yourself because you are too consumed with what you need to take from others so you can be comfortable without doing anything useful or good. Just do what you can, no matter the cost to anyone else. No matter the lies and treachery or trust that you betrayed with no thought or shame or blame or guilt or empathy or anything truthful and good or kind and correct. Just lie and steal and cheat and scam and take and take and take and take while never giving or doing anything to be good for others. Only about yourself you are, because you are evil, and it will come back to you. Comment on this. The war between two large armies has been raging for some time, and a major conflict is about to come to a head in a large field on top of a large barren mesa. The two armies are poised to annihilate one another a mere 200 meters apart, but generals have given the order to attack. One side is defending their homeland and will not relent. The other side has been lied to, and morale is low, but the numbers are great and some want blood. Nonetheless, the generals have ordered the attack, but before an attack can begin, suddenly in the middle of this field on a tiny road walks a man. Wearing a shirt, jeans, shoes, and nothing more, he nearly walks into the field in between the two great armies and stops. The day of the war suddenly ceases and all is quiet. Soldiers on both sides are standing and ready to attack, but staring at each other looking around and wondering what the hell is going on. Who is this lunatic in the middle of this field that is about to be laid waste? Bodies are about to be everywhere, and here is this fool. But, the fool stops. He looks towards the army on the left and merely raises his arm and gestures, Come here, come here. The soldiers look at each other and grow to the man. The man's head bows, and then he looks to the right to the other army and with his other arm gestures, Come here. Now the confusion is palpable. Soldiers on the army to the right bank are staring at each other and they radio to someone the confusion asking, Who is this person and what is going on? Mortars, bombs, and bullets, all from behind the line of the first wave of soldiers comes a bombardment aimed at the man standing in the field. But the man does not budge. He stands looking straight ahead, arms slightly outstretched to his sides, hands out, palms up. And the bombs fall. The horror on both sides is now the way soldiers are running in circles and screams on both sides. Stop, stop. When it is all said and done, and the smoke clears, the flames die down, the man is still standing there looking straight ahead, arms out and without a scratch. He looks again to the left flank and motions, come here, come here. He motions from his position to the right flank, come here. Slowly each army starts walking When the two forces are but a mere 10 meters from each other, they stop and the man looks up and walks in between the two great armies towards the forest in the distance and disappears. A small faction on the edges of each army break off and sprint into the forest to chase after this man, but after some time, maybe only 20 or 30 seconds, they walk back, white as ghosts and looking as though they don't know where they are. When they are confronted by their fellow soldiers and ask where this man went, they 
In a notable 2004 incident, air controllers aboard a Navy-guided missile cruiser watched as mysterious radar tracks suddenly appeared around San Clemente Island. The radar operators grew increasingly uneasy as the UFOs moved south at bizarrely slow speeds. With U.S. planes slated to conduct an air defense exercise in the same area as the unknown objects, controllers directed two F-A-18 fighter jets to investigate the nearest radar contact. As the jets approached, all four aviators aboard the two-seat fighters observed a tic-tac shaped craft hovering and moving in extraordinary ways just above the surface of the ocean. The object, which had no discernible engines, rotors, wings or other control surfaces, then mirrored the maneuvers of the lead fighter jet before accelerating instantaneously out of sight. But based on what is known publicly about these bizarre incidents, investigators should also consider the long history of UFO sightings around the Channel Islands. After descending tens of thousands of feet in less than a second, the object reappeared on radar 60 miles away, implying unimaginably fast velocities and g-forces. Most perplexingly, the UFO appeared at a predetermined rendezvous point known only to the aircrew and radar operators. U.S. intelligence analyses ruled out highly advanced Chinese or Russian aircraft as plausible explanations for the bizarre encounter. For their part, the four aviators who observed the object believed that it was not from this world. A half-century earlier, one of the most talented and prolific aeronautical engineers in history observed a UFO over the Channel Islands. His account is corroborated by four of America's most experienced test pilots and aerospace engineers. Among many noteworthy contributions to American aviation, Clarence, Kelly, Johnson designed the legendary U-2 and SR-71 spy planes as the first head of Lockheed Martin's famed Skunk Works Division. 16, 1953, Johnson and his wife watched as a UFO with no apparent control surfaces or engines hovered for several minutes in the vicinity of Santa Cruz Island. The object then accelerated rapidly out of sight. Unknown to Johnson, a Lockheed flight test crew, which included the company's chief aerodynamics engineer, chief flight test engineer and two highly experienced test pilots, observed the same object while flying northwest along the Los Angeles coastline. Unsurprisingly, Johnson and the flight crew's descriptions of the incident are meticulously detailed. Most importantly, Lockheed's engineers and pilots explicitly ruled out a cloud formation as a plausible explanation for the incident. Nonetheless, the Air Force, freshly charged with discrediting and debunking all UFO sightings, concluded that five of America's most credible observers were fooled by a small cloud. Largely unknown in aviation history, Johnson was a firm believer in the existence of flying saucers. In a letter informing the Air Force of the Channel Islands encounter and another UFO sighting two years earlier, Johnson writes that the incidents left him more firmly convinced than ever that such devices exist. According to Johnson, the 1953 encounter helped him win some highly technical converts in this belief. Importantly, the Lockheed engineers and pilots' descriptions of the December 1953 incident refer to another credible sighting over the Channel Islands. In 1951, one of the company's top test pilots, Roy Wimmer, sighted some lights over Catalina Island that reportedly stood still for a while and moved around before disappearing. The parallels to the movement of the drones that recently followed U.S. warships are noteworthy. Biden officials say they welcome tough questions after bristling at. A decade after the Lockheed encounters of the 1950s, a Navy photographer captured video of a UFO moving slowly over Catalina Island. 
digitally enhanced footage shows that the object appears to lack control surfaces or obvious means of propulsion, bearing an intriguing resemblance to the strange craft observed by naval aviators in 2004. Now, with Congress forcing the government to take the UFO phenomenon seriously for the first time, investigators must consider whether the objects that followed Navy warships are linked to the long history of inexplicable, yet highly credible, encounters in the waters off Southern California. Merrick von Rennenkamp served as an analyst with the U.S. Department of State's Bureau of International Security and Nonproliferation, as well as an Obama administration appointee at the U.S. Department of Defense. UFOs, space-time, and technology. The expanded ET hypothesis. So we are generally led to believe by the so-called mainstream scientific community that space is just so big that it would be impossible for another being or civilization to ever reach us or come in contact with us in any way. As though our science somehow knows everything. As though humans, in our young age and essentially in our beginnings of development, already has any idea of how anything that surrounds us in the universe actually works. We are so young as a species and are already starting to unravel some of the conundrums of the universe such as wormholes, warp drive, quantum mechanics, and various other aspects of reality that just a hundred years ago were deemed unreal, or that even just fifty years ago were deemed only as science fiction. Think about the show Star Trek in the 1960s. All these fantastic things that were dreamt up for a TV show were based on, quote, fake science, unquote things that we would like to see happen in our future. Those kids who grew up watching that show are now middle-aged and elderly men and women who dreamed of those things actually existing and made them reality in our current world. So space is too big. Everything is too far apart. There's no way that we can currently reach them. This is true. But to say there's no way they could reach us is closed-minded, stupid, and arrogant. And even in our young age as a species, it is only a matter of time before humans could realistically reach our closest star and return home in a single human lifetime. That may be another thousand or ten thousand years off, but how long is ten thousand years in the big scheme of things really? It is a blip. The length of time humans have been walking upright and considered modern humans has been just a blip. In just 119 years, humans have been flying through our Earth's atmosphere. And, only 66 years after the Wright brothers' first flight, humans had walked on the face of the moon. Now consider another civilization out there who managed to survive long enough not to kill themselves or ruin their home planet, say a million years ahead where we are as humans. Consider another being out there 10,000 years ahead of us, or even only a thousand years ahead of us technologically. How much more advanced do you think they possibly could be? The best argument I have heard to other beings not exploring the galaxy around them is that they are smarter than we are and realize it's just too dangerous out there and rely on their technology only to explore the universe via drones, probes, and in computer simulations. Now think of how close we are to truly simulating another universe within a computer. Humans have already begun to do this. Now realize there's no chance that we actually are not part of a simulation. Most likely a simulation within 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 a simulation. And when humans create a true universal simulation ourselves, which is not too far off, 
we will just add to that rabbit hole of simulations yet again. Now consider that that is not too far off in our human existence. Provided we don't kill ourselves within the next hundred years, or a thousand if we're lucky, humans could achieve great things. The rate of technological advance that we have seen as it is is mind-blowing. Now consider any alien being out there that has been in existence even a tiny portion of time, more than humanity has existed so far. Now consider the age of the Earth, 4.5 billion years old. Plate tectonics, weathering, and time would have erased all evidence of the fact that we are not the first who have been on this planet, and most likely won't be the last. Now consider one of those civilizations from our Earth's past, let alone another planet, has somehow survived and long ago learned how to travel the cosmos. Do you think they really forgot about their home planet? Do you really think there aren't remnants of them somewhere on Earth? Now consider it's not just one previous race of Earthlings. Not humans per se, but Earthlings. All of the UFO, UAP sightings and reports take on a whole new dimension of possibilities. Previous inhabitants of Earth, extraterrestrial beings, interdimensional beings, even time travelers, human or otherwise. The Milky Way galaxy, let alone the universe, really is too big after all. Not too big to traverse, but too big for any reasonable human to say that UFO sightings are not real and doesn't consist of everything from aliens to us. Those who to this day still want to look away, deny the reality, or even be so ridiculous as to say the UFO phenomena is a joke and Earth has never been visited, are the very same people who 120 years ago claimed that since the telegraph, automobiles, telephone, electrification of our cities, and light bulbs had recently been invented, there was nothing left to invent. And it was ridiculous to think that humans could ever achieve heavier than air flight. Then the Wright brothers proved them wrong. Then there were some of the most monumental inventions ever invented in the 20th and 21st centuries to occur. The rise of cinema, electric guitars, television, microwave cooking, jet air travel, personal computers, the internet, smartphones, and next up, quantum computing, communication, and space travel. But that would just be ridiculous, right? What really is ridiculous are the closed-minded and deeply fearful scientists and others who brush off the subject of UFOs and alien visitation as ridiculous and impossible, usually with the mind-boggling and ludicrous assertion that there just is no evidence. Stating that there is no evidence is laughable and only exposes that person as someone who has done zero objective research into the phenomena. There is a deep and fundamental fear, whether they want to admit it or not, that they will not like what they find so it's easier for them to deal with it by just blowing it off as ridiculous. The reality is that they will have no alternative but to come to the same conclusion that all objective researchers have come to. UFOs are real, and some of them are not of this earth. Ultimately, they will just end up with more questions than answers, and that is not something that science is able to deal with because that requires more research that they don't want to do for fear of their own credibility and position within the scientific community being questioned. It is so deep-rooted, systemic, and pervasive that one has to ask the question, what exactly constitutes proof? If a flying disc landed on their front lawn, grabbed them by the face, and said to them, we are here, they would still just blow it off as a weird dream and continue to deny the reality of their existence. If something is so fantastic and unbelievable that even actual proof is not valid, then of course there is no evidence. We are now in an age where world governments and militaries are starting to open up about what they know and don't know about things of unknown origin invading our airspace and oceans with impunity. And even though some are likely misidentified known craft, secret military project, unexplained natural phenomena, light aberrations, hoaxes, and optical illusions, it is pretty obvious when they are totally unexplainable 
and the military can't even figure out what they are looking at and tracking. These mysterious objects, such as orbs, cigar-shaped craft, flying saucers of various types, have been documented hovering over nuclear missile launch sites in the United States, as well as the Soviet Union and Russia for decades, occasionally even causing malfunctions within missile command. But now credible, trained, professional observers are openly speaking out and exclaiming, I would say they're not of this earth. We humans want to know exactly what we are dealing with in any situation, and we just don't know exactly what we are dealing with here in a broader sense. We don't know where they are coming from, who they are, how they are traveling here, or why they are visiting Earth monitoring us. And we don't know how many different races have discovered us, while understanding that it's pretty obvious that it isn't just one race observing humanity. These are all frightening unknowns to a large percentage of humanity, and it's easier to just look away and pretend that it's all some illusion, hoax, or misinterpreted phenomena that has nothing to do with the fact that we are not alone in the universe. The bottom line is, they are in control of this situation, not us. They possess knowledge and technology that we can't even begin to comprehend. And that scares the shit out of a lot of people. And they know it. So they watch. And they wait. And when that time comes, every human on Earth will be forced to accept their reality, whether they like it or not. We have entered the second phase of contact. Whether or not we will be deemed worthy is an open question. Humans have potential. But unfortunately, we spend too much time and energy shitting where we eat and murdering each other for pleasure and material gain. An interesting yet confusing race of beings on a uniquely beautiful planet, and they are playing the long game. Whether or not we are ultimately accepted and brought into the fold is entirely up to us. But based on the history that they have seen so far, watching and waiting for events to unfold is the logical and only option. I personally don't hold out much hope that humanity is ultimately worth the effort for them to do anything but contain us from spreading like a virus or excising like a cancer, or just watching and waiting for us to decide our own fate. But this is all ridiculous, right? And now the answers. One. Jimi Hendrix. Two. Rainbow. Three. Dwarf. Four. Paul Diano. Five. Spreading the Disease. Six. A Boris Karloff movie. Seven. Newburyport, California. Eight. Exodus. Nine. Ripper Owens. Ten. Rockstar. Eleven. Polka Tolk and Earth. Twelve. Fastway. Thirteen. Flogging Molly. 14. Paul Bostaff. 15. Forbidden. 16. Dave Davidson. 17. Alcoholism slash abusive behavior. 18. Accidental overdose on fentanyl. 19. 1980. 20. Creator, Sodom, Destruction, and Tankard. 21. Sabat and Eccentrics. 22. Japan. 23. Anvil. 24. Metal on Metal. 25. Rictus Grin. 26. Wild at Heart. 
27. Airheads. 28. 1978. 29. Quiet Riot. 30. Jethro Tull for Crest of a Knave. 31. Malaya Rage. 32. Midas Touch. 33. Canada. 34. Exodus, Testament, and Rob Zombie. 35. Venom. 36. Death. 37. Megadeth. 38. Violence. 39. Anthrax. 40. Scum. 41. Eric Carr. 42. Operation Mindcrime. 43. Oh, God. Ex Imperitesserquethezebib Septugalcathosowelekarzaxulum. Fucking kidding me? 44. Sabat. 45. Ghostbusters. And 46. A weak minded non musical conformist. See you next week. So I have a little story to end this skits collection, volume two. And it's something that just kind of came flooding back to me the other day. And so I decided real quickly to write it down. I thought it was kind of funny, so I'll share it with you. I was just flooded with a memory of something that happened way back in 1985. There was a place in San Diego called The Village, which was a group of condos in the middle of town that I grew up in. Uh, that we lived in for about seven years from 1979 to 1986. At some point, probably about summer of 1985, when I was 16 years old, I was walking through the winding paths of the village towards my friend's house who lived across the street to the north. Uh, I had my Walkman on, listening to music, and I was in my own little world, going the two or three blocks to my buddy's house, and I thought I heard something, and I looked around, and all of a sudden this guy kind of jumps in front of me, waving his hands with his half-smile on his face, and I pulled my headphones off and just looked at him like, what? And then he says, what are you doing? I said, I'm walking to my friend's house. And then he says, yeah, where do you live? At this point, I probably had a look on my face like, what the fuck is it to you, buddy? I said, I live right there. I'm walking two blocks to right there, pointing to where my friend's house is. Why are you asking? He says, because my house was just broken into, my front window is broken, my stereo is gone, and I think you stole it. I looked at him, and I said, I'm going to my friend's house from my house, which is right there, and I didn't steal your fucking stereo, dude. He kept accusing me of doing so, and I kept telling him to go to hell. I didn't steal your goddamn stereo. Then I just kept walking toward my friend's house at this point. Uh, I remember turning around and telling him to go fuck himself, and I didn't steal your stuff, and to eat shit. Uh, that kind of thing really pissed me off. Uh, when I got to my friend's house, I told him this whole story to uproarious laughter at what an idiot this guy was to accuse me of being a thief. Now, he wanted to go back with me and find the guy so he could humiliate him. And I figured, well, I needed to go back home at some point anyway, and now I have an escort, so why the hell not? We went back uh, on the same path that I took to get to his house and never saw the guy. 
So I just left my friend standing there with a big grin on his face and a pipe in his hand, looking around, trying to find him, and I said, I'll see you later, and then I went back home. This is where it gets interesting. Not even a couple weeks later, one of my other friends who lived across the street to the east side, in the village as well, showed up at my house with his swimsuit on and a towel in his hand and said, let's go to the pool. Then my other buddy Paul showed up and I told him we're going to the pool, so he borrowed some shorts and a towel and the three of us headed off towards the pool. We get to the pool and lo and behold there is our mailman sitting there with his wife and a big drink in his hand and we get into get into and start having a nice conversation uh, with him because he's, he was a fairly cool guy and I had known him for almost seven years at that point. Not even a half hour into us being at the jacuzzi and swimming and getting back in the jacuzzi back and forth etc. Guess who shows up into the jacuzzi? This asshole with a big grin on his face and I just shook my head and rolled my eyes like you've got to be kidding me. He proceeds then to tell our mailman as he's pointing to me, hey this is the guy that stole my stuff the other week. I promptly told him to go fuck himself. One of my friends tells him he's an idiot and points at me and says, you're accusing the one guy on the planet who is the least probable to steal anything from anyone ever of stealing your stuff? You're an idiot. My other friend is laughing at him, calling him a douchebag and an idiot and an asshole, etc. I'm at this point furious because this guy popped in out of nowhere and proceeded to ruin my night. And as he continues to accuse me of stuff I didn't do, I can't help but continue to tell him to go fuck himself or I'm going to punch him in the face. My friends are still laughing their asses off, and a little bit of calm came over the jacuzzi, and at this point our mailman says, Did you know that profanity is the attempt of a feeble mind to express itself forcefully? I remember there being an odd silence as my friends and I just stared at the mailman, and I couldn't help it, but I blurted out, You know, go fuck yourself. At which point my friends are just dying laughing, and we started to get out of the jacuzzi as they are ridiculing my accuser, and I completely, and I am completely enraged at this point. Here's the thing, not even six months goes by, and one of the friends I was with at the jacuzzi who witnessed all of this, uh, he and I had tickets to go see George Thorogood at SDSU Open Air Theater. We're having a good time, and about halfway through the show, I realized that, guess who's standing right in front of me in the seat directly below me? It's that douchebag. I must have been burning holes in the back of his head when I realized it was him, because as he's jumping around and he's getting into the show, he turns around with a big smile, realizing, oh shit, it's that guy. He tries to play it off with a big smile and tries to high-five me, but I just looked at him like I wanted to kill him. He kept rocking out trying to pretend it wasn't me, the person he had accused of stealing from him, and I asked my friend Chris if he realized who was standing directly in front of us. He said yes, he noticed him from the get-go and didn't want to say anything because, well, fuck that guy. After a couple more songs, I guess he was uncomfortable because he acted like uh, he was going to go get a beer or something and shuffled his way down the aisle, and I watched him go up the steps, and he never came back to his seat, and I've never seen that guy again in my life. Even though I lived not even ten houses down from him in the village, apparently. Why this all came flooding back to me, I don't know. But I have a theory. Either I'm going to bump into that guy soon, I have bumped into him recently, and didn't recognize him, or that dude just fucking died. Why do I think this theory is valid? Simulation.